You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. morning we're going to talk about occupying the territory uh i talked about a little bit about this on friday night at the uh outreach no that's not what it was what did we do outpouring it was really good too it was really good outpouring of god it was good so there's keith so keith i had a word for you uh as as i was sitting there kind of listening to all the testimonies and I have to apologize because we say that we're never going to move people, marry them, or get them pregnant. But apparently, I decided to move Tamara. So uh, I broke my own rules. But uh, I'll try to be more careful with you, Keith. But, uh, you know, I've been feeling like it's a Caleb season. I was even talking to Pastor Jean about it yesterday, where it, there's a season where all that what God has promised has come time to take. And that's what I felt like the word was for you this morning, uh, uh, Keith, because I know he just turned 40. Wow. <laughs> Happy birthday. But uh, as I was sitting there, I kept thinking about Caleb. And, you know, he had reminded of the, jo Joshua of the promise that Moses had given him for territory. And I feel like even though he was 85 and you're only 40, you know, must, 85 must be the new 40 or something. I don't know. But, but I feel like this is a Caleb season for you to, to reap the reward that God has promised you for the diligence and the perseverance that you've put in. So I just want to really set to you this morning, Keith. Happy birthday. Yes, yes. So we're going to talk about, like I said, we're going to talk about occupying. And I want to, I'm going to do a uh, a, a big sweep, and then we're going to kind of drill it into steps that we can actually take ourselves to occupy. And of course, uh, we are talking about occupying the territory which God has given us to occupy. And um, it's interesting because we go through these seasons where we feel secure and that we've occupied and that we're doing great. And then we go through these seasons where we feel like, you know, it slipped away a little bit or the territory we have isn't as big as it was. And I feel like the Lord is talking to us about not only occupying, but retaking the territory that has slipped away. Uh, so that is what we're going to talk about this, uh, this morning. And earlier in the year, the Lord gave us a couple of words. And one of them was about enlarging our territory and stretching our tent. And um, Pastor Jean gave us a couple of words, but I just want to read the Isaiah 54, uh, 2 through 3, and just remind us of what it says. Isaiah 54, uh, starting in verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. And that was the big emphasis this year was do not spare. When you stretch, stretch big. When you pull up your pegs and begin to stretch out your curtains, stretch big. Don't spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. So we're doing that for our descendants. We're stretching. We're taking territory for, for 
the ones who are coming after us. You know, we don't want them to have to retake what's already been given to us, what we've already occupied, and then gave up. Somebody agree with that. We're going to have some agreement today because it's all about agreement. But I want to talk a little bit about what our tent looks like. Um, you know, we started 11 years ago. We'll have our 11-year anniversary in October. And we started out not knowing what we were doing. Do you ever start doing something where you don't know what you're doing? We started out with a little home group in our house that our former church asked us to start, but the people from our former church didn't come. So that's a successful home group in the eyes of the pastor, right? <laughs> but what happened were leaders and, and people from all over who were hungry from God started coming to our church, and we started meeting people that we didn't really know who came through, like Russ and Nancy. We didn't know them. They came through Pastor Gene. You know, people just started coming together that were hungry for God. So we started out in our house, and then we got too big for our house, and then we, of course, moved out. Um, but we began with, uh, let me have my little thing. So we started our church on post-it notes hung on our sliding glass doors. And this is part of one of them. We have tons of them, but that's what we did. For, for months and months, we just prayed over it, brainstormed. Pastor Karen was a part of it. Uh, and we just talked about it. And our center was God. What about that, huh? We're going to start a church that's centered on God. I don't know. It's a thought. I don't know. But um, and then God gave us all these wheels of our spoke. We felt it was a wheel. And we're, it, this hangs on the wall out there. So you are welcome to look at it. It'll be back up there. But there were wheels of the spoke of what we felt like we were called to do. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about those wheels and how it how it. Uh, moves into what we're doing now. So the big will was God. Our heart was to go after God, follow God, and do whatever he says. And, and you know, sometimes when you're starting something new, there is a lot of pushback in what we're called to do and what people coming want us to do. We had a couple people try to overthrow the church. Uh, in the newness of it. And they were people we knew. And uh, we're like, huh, you know, but what about the wheel? <laughs> you know? But, you know, people sometimes have a thought that what a new church should look like. And, um, but then God has a thought and you have to decide where are you going with? Are you going with people or are you going with God? And um, all those people through the years who have tried to take over, they're gone because we decided to go with God. Uh, but it's easier to go with people's ideas because then you're liked better. But we just aren't liked that much. So I guess you guys grown grown us, right? Grown on us. But we started out as an equipping center. We knew that not only were we supposed to gather and really grow our hearts and our relationship in God, but we were supposed to equip people for the works of the ministry. That's what we knew we were supposed to do. We were supposed to help them get rid of baggage, get 
healed of whatever they need to be healed of, get equipped in whatever they're supposed to be doing and help them connect and be sent. Whether it's business, whether it was ministry, whether it was education, no matter the seven mountains were a big part of what we thought through was we want everybody to be in the position that God's called them in and support them in what they're called to do. That's what, we're, that's what we did. We started a school. We have our Bible college. We have our gathering school of supernatural. We had, we had healing rooms until God told us to close them down because he said, that's too easy. I want you to press into uh, harder things. And I'm like, okay. Uh, we have our Daughters of Destiny that ministers to women that Deb, uh, Deb Quinn uh, uh, heads. We have our current events prayer that goes out to everybody who's interested in praying for that. We have our 6.30 a.m. intercession. I mean, our, our spokes have expanded. Um, and we've also, of course, we have our men and women study, all that kind of stuff. But everything we've done has been produced organically. It's not like we started the church and say, okay, we need programs for this and programs for that and programs for this. We just didn't start that way. We just started the church and say, what, did you, what do you want us to do first, God? And our first order of business was our children. So we really focused on making sure that every child who comes through this place, and you saw all of our teenagers line out through here, every child that comes through this place has the ability to encounter God, to know the word, to sense his presence, to know when to step in, when to step out. You know, one of my favorite stories is one of our little boys. I don't know. He was probably five at the time. We were teaching him how to pray healing for each other. Oh, no, we were teaching him how to encounter God. I wasn't. Pastor Karen was. I was here. But anyhow, we were teaching them how to uh, encounter God and sense his presence. And uh, she asked him, she says, you know, are you sensing anything? He goes, no, but I can't get the cloud to go away from the bottom of my feet. And so she's like, so she gets out the scriptures and starts to explain it to him. So that's our whole goal. Everyone who comes in. We want to have not only a relationship, but the ability to encounter and have a tangible presence of God with them and when we come as one. So that was really the core of our church. And from that, everything else was birth. From that one thing was God is going to be in charge and he can do what he wants to do. And we're going to plan and we're going to pray and we're going to prepare. But if God wants to rain snowflakes in here, then go ahead. We don't care because we believe that God has the plan and we each have a piece of it, right? So we have all that. Then we started, of course, we've always had outreach. And of course, Diana shared a little bit about what's going on in, in um, uh, Pinellas Mission, uh, which is great. You know, they go out once a month and, and meet up over there. But we've always supported the Shepherd Center, which is right here in Tarpon Spring, that closes, that houses, that connects people with medical help, all those different things. Um, Hopeville Ministries, which is Russ and Nancy Berry's ministry, which they were a part of our church from the beginning. I talked to Nancy. You know, they serve 900 families per week, 75,000 pounds of food every week is distributed through that ministry. I remember when they had, I don't know, maybe 75, 100 families that came through in the very beginning. And now we have three team, three prayer teams that go up there every Saturday 
that will go up. They're, they're spread out over Saturdays, right? Uh, to pray with the people that are coming in because they need help with prayer and ministering to the people coming in. So we have teams from here that are going up there. And I'm telling you all this because I want you to understand, for a church under 100 people, we have a lot of impact, not only on our community, but on the world. We have... Um, Father's Heart Ministry down in Nicaragua, which closed and, and sends kids to school. And we know some, we went down there, Chuck and I went down there, and some of the kids that were little then are now like one of them's a nurse and he does, you know, he goes around into the region. I mean, they're growing up and taking on roles in, in uh, Nicaragua that are impacting the city that they live in because of what they're doing. Uh, down there. Uh, Streams in the Desert, which is Deb Kofer's uh, India ministry, which also houses, feeds orphans and widows, and has now a whole, like a hundred plus pastors that she takes care of too, and getting them trained and equipped. So there's a lot of good stuff going on. Zambia, we do a lot of work in Zambia, Haiti, Samaritan's Purse, you know, all those different things. And I'm telling you this because we are involved in a lot of things that you may not realize, but we're involved in them because that's part of the commission that God has given us. And you're involved in things that we don't know all that you're doing because that's part of what God has called you to do. But together, we are making an impact for the kingdom of God on this earth. I mean, we are. And I want us to realize that because that is not what anybody would want us to believe. And as we move forward, we're talking about stepping in. We're not even talking about it. What's happening is we started talking about July. I don't know when it was. Sometime mid-July about human trafficking and the word that the Lord gave us. And suddenly there are these opportunities to get involved and be boots on the ground. And so as we talk about occupying today, we're going to talk about what is God saying about occupying? How do we do it? And what are just some basic steps all of us can take to occupy the territory against human trafficking? And the things we talk about, you can even do in the things you're trying to occupy, your work, your family, those type of things. So we're going to talk about it uh, in those terms. Pastor Jean gave us a word that God is going to give us a prize in, in uh, assignment that we don't know what it is, but it's not instead of what we're doing, it's in addition to. And for me, this is part of enlarging our tents. It's pulling out our tent pegs. This is another avenue of which God is calling us to step into. So thank you, Pastor Jean, for that word. But uh, we're, it's surprising how quickly, in fact, uh, she said, yeah, Emily, I think she's back there with the kids, but Emily used to work for an organization that houses young women from the ages, listen, from 12 to 17 who have been trafficked. Think about that. But they are working, well, they have invited us in to come in once a month and minister to those girls play games with them, teach them about God. So that, I mean, just think of, and that just occurred just suddenly. God just suddenly opened that door up. So think about when God 
begins to release a plan. He gives momentum and he gives favor and he opens doors in order to do that. There's a group of people that went to the uh, Underground Railroad event that was Tuesday, this past Tuesday night, unfolding a lot of opportunities for us. And some of them will get involved in a you know real tangible way. And we'll make that available to you guys too, for those who feel called to it. But anyhow, I want to talk about Occupying. And, you know, human trafficking is a huge um, bite. You know, what I, I think it's a $150 million business just in uh, America. But what I want us to understand is we're not called to bring down the whole thing by ourselves. So we can't be overwhelmed by the assignment God's given us. We're called to bring down the peace that God has called us to bring down. And he will give us what we need as well as people to partner with in order to do that. Because all the things I've listed, most of them, they take partnership. We can't do it on our own. So I don't want us to be overwhelmed by the thought of it because God gives us real specific, tangible things that we can do in order to partner with the momentum that's already occurring. And one of the things he was showing me this morning that part of this momentum uh, that he is doing in, you know, we've seen in different ways. We talked about, you know, Jesus taking over Hollywood and how all of a sudden there's a shift in revenue into Christian movies and Hollywood's looking to say, how can that make 150, 160 million when the last three ones we released have lost hand over fist? So, you know, when God begins to highlight stuff, it's so that we can see that there's a momentum shift in order to step in to the way he's moving. You know, if you ever watch football or any kind of sports, you'll see the momentum shift where teams losing and then all of a sudden they're winning. Well, you know, people would say that the Christians are losing and the enemy's winning, but God says, no, God says, no, I've called my body to win. I've already written victory for them. So whenever there is a discouragement that comes across you that says, oh, no, the enemy's got the upper hand. We just have to pull out the word and say, that's not actually true. He may have a momentary glimpse of my attention, but it's temporary because the word of God says victory is in our hands. And we've just got to learn how to fight the war. Okay, let's just move on. Uh, I want to talk about occupying. We're going to talk about Abraham for a minute, and we're going to talk about Nehemiah. I'm probably going to read both the scriptures, and then we'll talk. We'll take it apart a little bit. But let's go to Genesis 12, 1 through 3. One of the words that we had on Friday night, uh, Jean shared part of it, was that uh, for some, you feel like God is calling you to occupy a new territory that you're not familiar with and you don't really know how to do it. And uh, the encouragement is, is that Abraham was the real groundbreaker for this. Leave your land, go out and occupy a new territory. Uh, Genesis 12:1. it says, Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. We live out of that promise. You know that, right? As believers, that is a promise for us. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And 
and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So he followed what the Lord told him to do, took Lot with him. If you ever get discouraged, pull out Genesis 12 and start reading it over yourself. Start declaring it over yourself because this is part of the covenant promise to us. We have to remember whenever we feel like the enemy is getting a stronghold over us, is getting a... a um, an oppression toward us, we have to remember the word of the Lord will break the stronghold against us. Amen? And then verse 6. Abraham, uh, so, so he did. He did what the Lord told him to do. It says, Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem and as far as the Tenebreth tree of Morah and the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. One of the things we can do is to begin to declare over our descendants what God has promised us. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And this is the part I love. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and he pitched his tent. You know, when God gives us a new territory, we have to pitch our tent in the territory. We have to go over and declare the territory. And we may not have a physical tent, but we are the physical temple of God. So if he's given us a new territory, we have to go take that land. And how do we take that land? First of all, we agree with God with what he's told us. Abram agreed with God that he was to leave his land and go find the new territory that God had promised him. When he got to the place he was supposed to stay, he pitched his tent and said, this is my territory. If God's given you a new territory, you've got to go pitch your tent there. Donna's about to start a new job. When she gets there, she needs to pitch her tent. She needs to spread out her pegs and say, this is my territory. They, they put me in here so I can take this land for God. And the company will benefit because I am here because I carry the presence of God and I am taking the territory. And they will see a shifting of favor in their business because I am here. Because I am a blessing and those who bless me will also be blessed. Those who curse me will also be cursed. So understand that when we go for a new territory, we literally have to say, God, I'm pitching my tent here. This is my territory. I'm declaring it mine. You may want to oil it. You may want to salt it. You may want to walk around it. But there needs to be a tangible action in order for you to take land. When we moved to St. Petersburg, after living up here forever, we had to take the territory. We prayed over our street. We prayed over our neighbors. When the house came empties, you know, around there, we're praying for who God's going to bring in there because that is our territory. God put us on that street in that block to take that territory. 
And, you know, when we think about it, we can equate it to the same thing with human trafficking. If God has given you the street that you live on, whether it's an apartment, a house, a condominium, it doesn't make any difference. If God's given you it, then you walk through that street, you pray through, you drive through, and you say that there will be no human trafficking on my street. And we think that human trafficking is left to the poor places, but that is not true. There, uh, one of the things that uh, I know Sharon mentioned to me going to the going to the event was that it's everywhere. It is everywhere. And one of my close family members, their daughter got trafficked at the age of 18. And it took two years to get her out. She was captive. They grew up in, you know, just normal, what we would call normal America. But what we have to understand is the power of prayer. It, it, it goes on to say that Abraham walked you know, he walked where God had called him. When we walk and we take the territory, Joshua 1.3 says that everywhere you put your foot, it will be yours. We have to understand the spiritual power of that in order to take over the natural territory that God has given us. If we can believe what the word says that where we go, the presence of God is released through us as we go, then everywhere we go, we become a for a forwarder of everything the enemy has set up in that territory. So just walking around our neighborhood, asking God, in fact, I was looking for, and if I can find it, I'm still looking for uh, trafficking by zip codes. I know that they have it. I know that somebody's done a statistic on that. But just think about, there's going to be areas that are near you that you may not feel safe driving, I mean, walking through, but you could drive through it, drive the perimeter of it, and just pray, Lord, in this area, there will be no trafficking. And where there is trafficking, we're just asking you to expose, capture, and remove in Jesus' name. Now, just think if each one of us did that in our little sphere, in my little 10-mile circle that I go, I've been doing that. I've been, been driving through going, okay. How about this house, Lord? Okay, Lord, I'm just praying over this house. You know, where I get a sense that there may be a problem. It may not even be trafficking, but there may be a problem. Then I've been given authority over my area. We all have authority over our area. And we go all the way from Wesley Chapel to Hudson to Terra Verde. You know, we're, we're, we're covered here. There's enough of us to take the Tri-County area because it's spread out as we are. And if we all decide that, you know, our little five-mile radius, that's what we're going to go after and that's what we're going to pray through, that is a tangible, very specific thing you can do that doesn't cost you anything but a few minutes to drive through and just declare the territory that's yours, declare the territories as the Lord. And that's what Abraham did. He went and he said, okay, God, this is it. Let me stretch out my tent. The territory is mine. And when he did that, God began to surround and protect his promise to Abram. So God is protecting what he has promised. He is not just saying, go, good luck, right when you get work, touch base if you need anything. No, 
when you take the territory, when you set up your tent where he's called you to set up, God is with you. You're not setting up that tent alone. Literally, the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is like the force field that comes out of you, that warns you, that gives you a heads up. Abraham goes on, you know, he brought Lot with him. Lot decides to go find another area that's big enough for him. He takes the best of the land. But you know what's so funny? Abraham's like, go ahead. I've got the best of the land. The best of the land is with me. So you go do what you're going to do. So they have these, I think it's in uh, Genesis 14. So they have all the kings get together and they decide that they're going to invade where Lot is. Lot gets scooped up in it, gets taken. But what does Abram do? He's like, oh no, my family, my territory. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. I think it is 14. Let me go there real quick. Because I want us to realize that uh, we're covered. And we, we have this. Okay, so all these kings have decided. They, they took Lot. They took Abram's brother's son who dwelt in Sodom. His goods. They took everything. Verse, uh, yeah, 13 says, Then the one who escaped came and told Abram, the Jew, for he, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the tender of trees. Okay, so he goes and tells them. And when, when Abram hears it, what does he do? He arms himself and he says, oh, no, you can't have that. He takes back what was already his that the enemy took. And he goes in and he raids and he destroys and he gets Lot and his family and all his goods and all his possessions and says, come on, you're coming back with me. So understand, we are, Abram did not go through this without any difficulty. He went, he battled, he struggled, he gave Sarah away twice, you know, I mean, had to go rescue Lot a couple times, you know, he had some issues. It was a battle. When God calls us to take a territory, there will be a battle for it. And the battle is the Lord's. And he will show you how to do it. He will show you who to take with you. He will show you who is part of your guard force that goes against it. You know, the the people who run our 630 prayer call, you know, Matt and Elaine and all of them, you know, they're up at 630 in the morning, Monday through Friday, warring for the assignment that God has given us. Karen gets out her current events prayer thing so we can pray to war for what God is highlighting that the enemy is raising up against us. God gives us a heads up to what's coming. He lets us know where we need to pray. So you can walk your territory. You can pray your territory, intercede for your territory, and you don't have to show up early. You don't have to do anything, but just say, I'm going to walk it, I'm going to pray over it, and I'm going to hold tight to the territory that God has given me. And I'm going to declare whatever is going on in my territory that doesn't belong to the Lord, it either has to get saved or it has to go. It either has to be shut down or it has to give its heart to Jesus. And you will see God bringing his own SWAT team in to 
take away the things that are interfering with the territory that he's given us. Okay? Y'all ready? Walk, pray. Walk, pray. I mean, really, that doesn't cost us anything, and it may take us a few minutes. You don't even have to pray for days or hours. You can wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm praying over my territory that you've given me. I'm praying over my children's children. I'm praying that my street will not have any illegal activity. I'm praying that everyone on there that does, isn't saved will get saved. And I'm praying that everything that doesn't align with you that doesn't get saved has to leave. They have to leave. And, you know, I, I know I've told you this before, but, you know, Pasco County started a SWAT team many, many years ago. Uh, started a SWAT team, and they passed a law and started a SWAT team to get rid of all illicit human trafficking, uh, sexual, deviant, all that kind of stuff. And they passed a law that once a place was closed down, another one could not get a license. And most of them got closed down because of technicality, not necessarily legal activity. They got closed down because they didn't have the poster in the right place. And they got fined so heavily that they would close down instead of paying the fines, and then they couldn't reopen. So they've gotten Pasco County, as of last I heard, down to 13 physical locations that has some type of gentleman's club, something like that. But they have closed down so many sex trafficking places and even from um he was telling us that they had a tractor trailer you know the 18 wheelers they have the trailer part and and that's where they were keeping them they even God even showed them that and the guy who started it Christian he took a God idea brought it to the higher authorities who approved it got a law passed, and began the work of God to shut it down in Pasco County. So think about this. A God idea brought into the government situation that transforms a county. It's a God idea. God has ideas for us to bring into our workplace, to bring into our families, you know, all those different things we've talked about, to transform. And there will be someone who says yes to it. Someone that will give us favor for it because God's already determined ahead of time that it will work. So we need to understand that our ability to transform is greater than we actually even realize. Our ability to change our neighborhood and to see things moved out and God things moved in is greater than we believe. So we just have to choose to believe that God, you've got this. So these neighbors that I know are doing whatever they're doing, they're going to get saved or they're going to go. Because that's the choice. And we saw Abram, he, he's like, you're not having my brother's son and his wife and his family. Even though he might not be on the right track, they're still under my covering. They're still under my responsibility. And you aren't going to have them. And that's the determination. That's what we have to have in, in anything we do, but also in thinking about this sex trafficking and human trafficking that God is calling us into. Um, and you'll hear more about it, 
you know, I think we're going to have a, a meeting after church in a couple of weeks, but I'll send you a heads up on that. So let me just talk a little bit more um, because I feel like it and I'm not quite done. I just feel like God wants us to get this. And I, I feel like if we can get this in our hearts and in our minds, then it will change the way we're able to receive the revelation from heaven. Because if we know that God has a plan that is beyond what we can understand, then we will be open to a plan that sounds weird. Because God loves to give us weird stuff. And then we're sitting there going, was that God? That was so weird. <laughs> He's like, I almost have to be weird to get your attention, you know, right? So uh, let me just read a little bit more. Nehemiah 1. I just want to talk about retaking. You know, Abraham found his new land, had to retake his family. And then he goes on. And of course, we're not going to go through the whole story of Abraham. But Nehemiah is in a situation where he is the cupbearer to the king. He gets to taste all the wine to see if he's going to see if the king's supposed to die. And uh, wouldn't that be a job? Wouldn't that be a job? Okay, well, hopefully no one poisoned the king this morning. Hopefully no. God protect me. So, uh, you know, so, but he's in captivity. You know, what, what we think, we forget sometimes is so many of the people we read about in Scripture, they're in captivity. And God's like, I got a plan. I got a plan to get you out of captivity. I got a plan to rebuild the walls. I got a plan to rebuild the temple. You know, you think you are oppressed, but you actually are my breakthrough for the people I've called to you. Just think of yourself. I'm a breakthrough. I'm the breaker anointing that God is going to use to change the world around me. I am the breakthrough. Nehemiah was the breakthrough. He heard that the walls were broken down in Jerusalem. He heard that it was just in despair there. And it broke his heart. And he went to God and he says, God, all this has fallen apart. I'm praying that you will make that better. And we know that when we pray that God will make something better, he will send us to make it better. So understand what you're praying for, you'll probably be a part of. But send them. No, no, it was your idea. It was your idea. So I'm going to send you. But he won't send you alone. He won't send you alone. So, so Nehemiah is praying and he's, he's talking about he's just brokenhearted over it. We are brokenhearted to think that kids, little kids, three, four are trafficked. And that's, this has been going on forever, you know, but uh, apparently there's some, there's a momentum shift. And God's like, we're going to take care of this. We're going to go after this. There's a momentum shift. I bought a new car yesterday and uh, the guy I, uh, uh, it's the first new car I bought in, I figured out 32 years. I always just buy used cars because, you know, but um you know, God just said, go with this one. I'm like, okay. But the guy we were talking to was explaining to us all about the sound of freedom and how him and his wife went to see it and how, you know, it's changed their heart. And I believe that's what God is doing. He is, what it is, is it's been going on, but for whatever reason, it hasn't been the highlight across the world. And God's saying, I'm highlighting this. And as I highlight, I will eradicate 
And as I eradicate, I will restore. And I was telling Pastor Jean and Pastor Karen this morning, I really feel like this is all a part of this billion soul harvest that has been prophesied. Is that we will see shiftings of masses of people to the heart of the Lord. So Nehemiah is, is just broken hearted over this. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, they told him that the survivors, verse 3, it says, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the providence are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and weeped and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the Lord of heaven. And he goes on to have this whole dialogue with God. And, you know, when we, when we, when we connect with something that God has an assignment for us, it breaks our heart because it's broken his heart. And then suddenly we, we get a burning and a passion for something that wasn't even in our thought process a month ago or a year ago or two years ago. It just wasn't even our thought process. But God says, now the oil is on it and I want you to move with it. And like I said, we'll all have different roles in it. We'll all have different places in it. Just like all the different things that we're doing right now. We have, diff we have different connections to it. Because we all know in part we all have a peace. But if we all do our peace, then everything is covered. Right? So Nehemiah is brokenhearted. And uh, he is just really desperate to do something. And what's interesting, unlike Abraham, who goes independently, he's not looking for a king to sign off on what he's doing. He's not looking for his family to sign off. God said, get up, go, put your tent down. Nehemiah is needing partnership with an outside world that doesn't call God, God. So the king isn't bowing down to God as his Lord. Nehemiah is serving the king. And the king is saying, Nehemiah, why are you so sad? And Nehemiah is like, okay, I might get my head cut off for this. But this is what's happening. And the king's like, favor. Here's favor. And Nehemiah says, will you write letters for me? Yes. And I'll give provision for you. And I'll, I'll open doors for you. So understand, there's an outside world that is not a believing world that is going to partner with us to help break the chain, tear down the giant of trafficking that is against us. And, and they're doing that in more than just trafficking. God is using unbelieving people to bring his design to this earth. Well, how can that be? Because they're unbelievers. God can use anybody. He'll get their heart. But he can turn their head before he gets their heart. So we need to understand. We've got to quit railing against the outside world that doesn't believe and doesn't know God. And start agreeing with who God is going to use to transform the movement that he's put in front of us. Okay. I want a little bit more enthusiasm than that. But. Well, I just, I know, I can see people who are on the outside looking in to our world saying, 
I want to help, but I don't know how to break through the Christian barriers because they want us to do three steps and, and four Hail Marys before we come and help them. And we have to realize that sometimes we just need to put down our guard and not worry about getting slimed and realize that God's going to send the unbelievers to help us. And that joint mission will transform our hearts and theirs. It is God's job to touch them. It's our job to be open. And the king provided a way for Nehemiah to do all that was in his heart, even though some of his own people were against him. His provision came from a king, not from his own. And once he gathered his team together, I love this scripture in 229. I'm, I'm sorry, in 220, it says, so he's, you know, calling them all and fighting off the, the mean people. And we're going to fight off mean people, right? He says, so I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. That needs to be a declaration over us. The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. Say that. We will arise and build. But you will have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. So those who are against us won't be part of the accolades that come as we bring breakthrough to the area God has assigned us. They'll just be haters. And that's okay, because if they are, we don't need them in our path. What we need is people with open hearts and a willingness to partner with us because we have a call and a mission that we're going to accomplish. And we, as the body, operate the way we as one and then the, the people who God brings on the outside in, we operate in the purpose and the anointing for the moment in which they've been invited in. So our hearts have to be open to people outside of our normal hula hoop. We have to be willing to partner with people beyond what we know. And they may not all be Christians, and that's okay. Because if God wants to work in their heart, the same way he's working in our heart, our heart will change, their heart will change, and God will work out whatever he's going to work out with them. But, but that is part of the harvest. When you can work with one another in a common purpose that God has without requiring them to meet your beliefs. You don't have to love Jesus to help me have breakthrough in this area. Now, I would love for you to love Jesus to help me do that. But I'm not going to turn you away because your heart hasn't had the revelation that my heart has had. So we have to remember that there is an assignment that's given to us like Abram that is independent of outside source. And then there's assignments given to us that is codependent on an outside source. And we just have to be able to discern and tell which is which. And we have body life that does that, right? So 
hearing what God is saying to you, what is your territory? What is he saying to us as a corporate gathering? What is our territory? Walking through, driving through the territory that God has given you and declaring that everything that is not aligned with God has to either be turned to God or be removed from your territory. And then just praying over, this is what God has given me, and this is what I'm praying for. This is my office. This is the company I'm working for. These are my children. You know, whatever it is, just, just praying over. And like I said, you don't have to spend days and hours. You can pray for five minutes. You go, God, this is my scoop. You cover it. You direct it. You clean it. And I'm going to step in it. So, you know, those are three very simple, you know, non-invasive things that we can all do. And I would encourage you and ask you to begin to pray over your territory about this human trafficking. If there's someone in your neighborhood, ask God to highlight, ask him to clean it, ask him to rescue. You know, he knows what the right thing is to do. You don't have to go knock on the door, but you may. I don't know. God will tell you. Um, it's like Mariette, they aren't here, they're out of town, but Mariette, she goes and rides her bike in front of someone's house until they finally come out. And then she's like, oh, hi, neighbor. <laughs> and she started a whole Bible study that way. She just gets this heart about somebody and she will ride her bike, ride her bike, ride her back. And then she's like, oh, they're coming to the mailbox. Pedal, pedal, pedal. Hi, how are you doing? I was just riding around, you know, and that she has started Bible study. She is getting the hearts of the people in her neighborhood that way. But that is her. You know, nobody else may be called to do that. But it was so ingenious when she was telling me about it. I was like, she, so you're a stalker. And she was like, yes. God anointed, but stalking. So, you know, we think it has to be huge, but it just has to be God. Just like Abram, we just have to hear. Just like Nehemiah, we just have to hear. And then we do what we hear. It doesn't, if, you know. If you've got a crazy schedule and you're working crazy or you're watching your grandkids, whatever you're doing, God's not going to say, kick all that to the curb and I want you to go lay on your street for five hours. No, but if he doesn't do it, you know, it's just as simple. When you hear, you do. And we pray until we hear and then we step in to what we heard, right? I mean, I, I, it sounds so simple, but it is. Abram just did what he heard. Nehemiah risked his life because of what he heard. And I believe that if we'll just take simple steps of just here, set up our tent, pray, take our territory, that God will honor, expand our tents, and give us more authority and favor in where he's called us to do. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.